it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. Unfortunately, this will be a sad edition of Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. This is King David Lane on just about... Every social media platform, so give me a like, follow, and request. I almost like a year return. Also, like King David Comedy, that's comedy with a K. King David Comedy on most major social media platforms as well. I'm here to talk what else with wrestling, and unfortunately, the big news this past week was a sad story. Uh, the death of Brody Lee, uh, currently going by the name Brody Lee and Mr. Brody Lee in AEW. Uh, he passed away December 26th. That's right, the day after Christmas. I was kind of shocked when uh, when our third man in the booth, Brian, sent me the Facebook messenger the day after Christmas thing. I was really surprised. I didn't even know he was sick. I knew he had been off television for a while, uh, but I was not aware that he was severely sick and he passed. Uh, apparently, he got sick not too long after he dropped the title to Cody. He apparently had done a workout on his Peloton bike, and then he just couldn't recover from it, and he didn't understand what was going on. He then took a turn for the worst couple weeks after that, and that's why he, that's why he had been off television for so long. I, I kind of wonder what had been going on while he wasn't on TV. I thought maybe it was just some sort of big reveal or some big announcement was going to take place, but unfortunately, uh, he was really sick, and his family wanted to kind of keep it on the low, uh, so... They actually did a good job of, you know, keeping it somewhat quiet. Not a lot of people knew. Uh, I think a lot of his coworkers and people in AEW knew, but and obviously his close family knew. But the information didn't really leak, and unfortunately, we didn't find out until the worst came out. Uh, he's been a prominent wrestler for for almost a decade now. Uh, working in WWE and AEW, uh, he actually had a nice long run the decade before that with the uh, on the independent scene. Worked in uh, Chikara, Square Circle Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Dragon's Gate, uh, both Dragon's Gate US and Dragon's Gate Japan. So he had, he had done it a long time. He was he was a professional wrestler for a long time, uh, seventeen years. Uh, he did eventually sign with WWE in 2012 under d- developmental territory. Uh, he was actually in Florida for Championship Wrestling for a little while before he became NXT as a member of the Wyatt family. Uh, he tagged often with Eric Rowan as part of the Wyatt family, uh, later as the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, he also had a singles run as the Intercontinental Champion in uh, 2014. He held SmackDown Tag Team Championships. At one point, they were the NXT Tag Team Championships back in NXT 2, by the way. He finally did leave uh, WWE in December 2019 and debuted in AEW in March of 2020 as the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, the leader of the Dark Order. He did eventually win the AEW TNT Championship in August and... uh, and as I mentioned before, at, at which point he dropped it to Cody, and shortly after, that's when he ended up getting sick. So, like I said, it, it, it really sucks. 
Uh, obviously, when people die, people tend to get glowing reviews. Uh, but I've never heard anybody have a bad word to say about uh, John Huber slash Brody Lee. Uh, so I'm like I said, I've never heard literally anything bad said about him. You know, not before his death or after his death. So that's a very good sign when when people don't wait for you to die to say the nice things about you. So uh, I guess I'll fill you in some of the, some of the other things of his life, like I said, because he wasn't just a wrestler. Uh, he did other things, you know. He was he was a youth hockey player, attended McQuay Jesuit High School, played lacrosse. You know, unfortunately, we do get a, we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of uh, of the obvious wrestling information for you know the guys we follow in wrestling. We don't always get to know them as people. So I'm going to try to do a better job. Unfortunately, since we do have to do a lot of these shows where we talk about people today to die, I'm going to try to get more information about their lives other than being a wrestler. Uh, this is something I was not aware of uh, when he was alive. I didn't know his character sort of came from a combination of combining the names of actress Jason Lee and his character Brody Bruce. I just assumed it was related to Bruiser Brody. But nope, it was related to the uh, Jason Lee's Mallrats character. By the way... <coughs> I think Mallrats is the only older Kevin Smith movie I've never seen, or at least the ones of that uh, sort of Jay and Silent Bob sort of cinematic universe. But obviously, I've seen Clerks, both the original and the second one. I've also, you know, I've seen uh, Chasing Amy, uh, a few other of his, uh, his films as well. I have not, that reminds me, I, I did happen to see the uh Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I, f- I forgot. I do have that available on Amazon, so I'm going to go check that out. Got a few other uh, Kevin Smith things that I need to check out. Some of the more recent works. But uh... anyway, uh, back to our original subject, Brody, uh, Brody Lee. I thought, it was, like I said, I thought the name was related to the character Bruiser Brody. You know, he was a, he was a larger, athletic guy who worked on an independent scene for a while. So I kind of thought it was related to that, but apparently I was, that was not correct. So, He also had a brother uh, who worked in wrestling when they wrestled under the nicknames Huber Boy 1 and 2, which was <laughs> very original. <laughs> I was not aware that he was trained by Tony Mameluke as well. So, Fortunately, it's sad when you, have, when you learn a lot of things about people after they pass away, but it, I guess it's better to know it uh, than to never know it. I just wish, like I said, I wish, unfortunately, we wouldn't, you know, have to wait till people pass to sort of dig into uh, their characters a little bit more. So, no way. Like I said, it it was good that he at least got a, a chance to truly shine and see what he could show, what he could do, and we could see what he could do in his last year of life. Obviously, I like the Bludgeon Brothers gimmick. I liked the, him as part of the Wyatt family, but he didn't really get to talk much. And he actually addressed that, you know, after he left uh, WWE for AEW, that he thought the Vince wanted him to talk with a certain kind of way because he looked a certain kind of way, even though that wasn't really, you know, in fitting with what he, who he was and what he was. So he felt like AEW was actually giving him a chance to show a different side of himself and something a little bit more, you know, <clears throat> based on something that he would want to do anyway, you know. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm sorry if, if I slightly, slightly uh, misinterpret what he said a little bit, but that's kind of, that was kind of what the way I kind of took it when he gave those interviews after he left WWE. But anyway, like I said, I sent a very, very uh, sincere rest in peace to Brody Lee. Uh, he did leave behind a wife. Uh, he left behind a family. Uh, CM Punk is actually indicated that he will donate uh, the proceeds from his merchandise uh, to the family. So, you know, it's good to see so many other uh, wrestlers and coworkers sort of stepping up to help him out. I'm not aware of if he had insurance or how that's being handled, but he did have two children. So I hope that he did. 
And um, and like I said, this is not a commentary on him by any stretch. It's just something that comes up. If you do have a family, do make sure that you have insurance. Uh, particularly in the area, area of COVID, and there's lots of other things that you could probably get sick from and, and die from that you might not be aware of you had. But definitely during a pandemic, you want to be aware of that if, if you can take care of your family. Uh, by the way, he did pass of lung-related issues, but uh, I've seen multiple reports stating that he was—he did not have COVID. So I don't want you to misinterpret me saying that that's what caused caused his passing. I was just mentioning that as a, one of the numerous reasons you want to have insurance, it, particularly if you have a family, because you want to make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, At any rate, uh, like I said, uh, you can only feel for his his widow and for his children. They did, I did actually see a picture of Jim Ross. I guess Jim Ross went with uh, Brody Jr. <laughs> that's, that's how we refer to him. Uh, it comes with uh, uh, so he. I guess he decided to take him to the Jacksonville Jaguars game or maybe Tony Khan or his father uh, offered him access to passes to the game. But uh, good to see that uh, his kid at least able to get out and maybe get a little bit of joy because I know he's got to be going through a rough time. So Anyway, like I said, this is very, very sad. Uh, unfortunately, way too often we do have to talk about premature deaths in wrestling. I mean, obviously, even regular deaths as far as when people make it to 70, 80, 90 years old, that's sad, too. But unfortunately, in wrestling, way too often. And I will say, luckily, uh, there's been a, there seems to have been a less of it of the la- over the last decade or so. I think the changes that WWE and some of the other companies they made in their wellness policies has helped that out a lot. Fortunately, we're not getting as many of those drug deaths and other, you know, sort of substance abuse problems that we were getting. So I'm glad that he was uh I'm glad that we're getting less of it. So it seems like uh we are getting uh much, much better in certain areas. Anyway, I wanna move on to something a little bit happier, so uh rest in peace, Jonathan Huber. Also to wrestling fans, Luke Harper and Brody Lee. Uh, the WWE t- decided to bring back the Slammy Awards because it's not a it's not an annual event. It's an annual event until it's not an annual event, <laughs> and then it's an annual event for a couple of years and it's not an annual event again. But anyway, they did have it this year, so uh, I guess we'll go ahead and name the winners uh, and some of the uh, contenders for these awards. Uh, Superstar of the Year, you had Charlotte. Becky Lynch, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Oscar, The Fiend, Braun Strowman, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and the winner was Drew McIntyre. We also had uh, the match of the year. Uh, the contenders for this match, uh, match of the year, were Becky Lynch, Oscar, Royal Rumble, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Survivor Series, uh, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, Intercontinental Championship, Triple Threat Ladder Match. WWE Class of Champions. We had Sasha Banks versus Bailey, uh, SmackDown Women's Championship Hell in a Cell match, uh, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso Universal Championship Hell in a Cell I Quit match, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan Intercontinental Championship match, uh, last tournament final on SmackDown, the June 12th edition, Men's Royal Rumble match, Royal Rumble 2020, Edge versus Randy Orton, the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, the New Day versus Hurt Business Raw Tag Team Championship match, November 16th. But the winner was the Boneyard match, the sort of cinematic match, Undertaker versus AJ Styles. By the way, ironically, the greatest wrestling match ever, the WWE Blacklash 2020, Edge versus Randy came in third. <laughs> so not only was it not the greatest match ever, it was only the third greatest match for this year. And by the way, I want to uh, thank SC Scoops. They actually the ones that said ironically. <laughs> so... That was that my original thought. Maybe I would have came up with that on my own anyway, but uh, when you read something, you gotta. I like to give credit where credit is due, and SC Scoops did actually come up with a comment. So uh, We had Rivalry of the Year. Uh, the contenders were Seth Rollins versus the Mysterio family, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, 
Sasha Banks versus Bailey, our truth versus the world. Our <laughs> truth versus the world. That's, that's pretty funny. And Lana versus Danielle. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not really a rivalry. The, the nail might think it's in a feud with the hammer, <laughs> but Lana was the nail, and then Elsa Table was where the hammer was. That's not really a rivalry. <laughs> Although, if they would have said Lana versus uh, Baszler or Lana versus. Uh, Baszler and uh, Nia Jax or Lana versus Nia Jax that would have probably had a slightly better ring to rivalry of the year. Anyway, the winner was Edge versus Randy Orton. I kind of like what it. I kind of like to have that particular uh, rivalry of the year going to Seth Rollins and Mysterio family uh, match of the year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Honestly, out of the at least out of the list that I'm given, I don't have too much of a problem with Undertaker Virginia J. Styles, just considering that was more or less his last match. <laughs> it was probably definitely uh, his uh, last prominent sort of match. So, not necessarily last match, but last uh, you know sort of prominent match, unless they decide to have some more, <laughs> and that's always an option. Uh, superstar of the year, I probably would have given to. I might have given that to the Fiend. I can't really have a problem with it uh, going to Drew McIntyre, or even if it would have been given to Roman Reigns. But I probably would have given that to the Fiend. I think the fact that the Fiend got set on fire might have might have cost him. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move further down the list for for more slammies. Uh, we had a. Tag Team of the Year, the Golden Role Models, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, The New Day, uh, Nakabura and Cesaro. This is actually another tough one. Like I said, Golden Role Models could have a legitimate argument. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler had a legitimate argument. And that's, by the way, that is good to see see two different female tag teams legitimately could have sort of put a claim to it. They just have to keep remembering that the women's tag team division exists, and I think they are doing a good job of that. Uh, side note, while I'm talking about women's tag team, Oscar was hilarious on the commentary table when she called <laughs> the uh, the team of Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose sexy muscle friends. <laughs> Please let that be that team's name from now. That is hilarious. I understand they might want to try to get away with sort of diva-esque stuff, but that's just freaking hilarious. So please go with that as the name. Sexy Muscle Friends. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the Street Fighters did win it. Win it. And like I said, I, like I, said I, I honestly, that is completely fair for them to win Tag Team of the Year. Like I said, there's, there's arguments to be made for several other things. But if you look at sort of coming to prominence, having great matches, being entertaining and fun on the mic, in a year that's not necessarily been the best as far as entertainment value from WWE, they have been very, very entertaining. So definitely, I can't. While I might create an argument for other people, I can't make create an argument against them. And congratulations to them. Our return of the year: MVP Goldberg, Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns. I kind of wanted MVP to get it, but look at who's who else is nominated. I, you got to kind of figure Edge was going to get it, especially having been gone for you know nine years due to injury, as opposed to MVP, who was just sort of you know was a future endeavor and then having to come back. And they're like, oh yeah, this dude's good. So I guess I kind of understand why I went that particular direction. Our ring gear of the year. While there was some great ring gear by other people here. There's no way you could not give this to the to New Day. New New Day was so far above and beyond everybody else in this category that I would have been shocked if they didn't win it. Now, breakout star, I was actually kind of surprised looking at the the different uh, different sort of people nominated. I was I was I kind of thought maybe Dominic Mysterio might get this. 
especially since the way he's been in such pushed into such a prominent role. However, uh, the street profits winning again for this is actually sort of makes sense too. Again, I can't argue against them. My first, my first thought when I first saw this was Dominic Mysterio, but thinking about it, no, street profits could very well, you know, like I said, a, a, they definitely have a legitimate argument too. So anyway, it was Dominic Mysterio, Bianca Belair, Otis, uh, Street Profits and Murphy. By the way, I forgot to, leave, to read the whole list before I announced the winners. Sorry if there's any spoilers for you. <laughs> uh, we had Female Superstar of the Year. By the way, it's weird that they had Superstar of the Year and they had a woman nominated in the category, but then they had a separate Female Superstar of the Year category. I understand maybe having separate categories, but it doesn't make sense to have a Superstar category and a Female Superstar category. Either just do uh, male and female Just so you can keep this category separate Or just have one category And include everybody I kind of think that would be better uh, Anyway, female superstar of the year nomination, Nominations for Asuka Bailey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair Of course, Sasha Banks uh, Pulled it off This was this was kind of her year This is, this is the best year I think she's had Because she's kind of been like on a prominent level, having great matches, being very, very talented, was sort of held back to a degree, I think, by the uh, Charlottes and Beckys and Oscars. So her, her, this is her year to get get to shine. So congratulations to her. Actually, I take that back. They did have a they had a superstar of the year. They had male male and female. So they did actually get three awards. So I guess three awards is not bad. And if you're gonna have a superstar of the year, male superstar of the year, female superstar of the year, I'm fine with that. So. Actually, I, I, so I stand corrected. I did not look at the entire list. I did sort of watch the Slammys in the background, but I did not watch it actually, so I was not aware of every little detail that happened. And right now I'm going by the WWE.com uh, listening to what happened. So, but Anyway, uh, so male superstar of the year, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Braun Strowman, The Fiend, Drew McIntyre won. Obviously, if he won superstar of the year, it'd be kind of stupid for him not to win male superstar of the year. Uh, moment of the year. Uh, there's pretty. I was gonna. I was. I was going to say there's no other moment that probably could get this, but actually I take that back. Obviously, Undertaker sort of makes the most. Undertaker's final farewells being Monday year kind of makes the most sense to Survivor Series. But I'm gonna name the other contenders and finally announce the other one that I thought probably could have made it too, though. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeats Brock Lesnar was nominated for the WWE Championship WrestleMania. I don't think that was going to win. Edge returns the Miz for a Rumble match. That maybe could have got it if a lot of people didn't already sort of know it coming. If they would have been able to hold on, hold on to that surprise, then it could have been a legitimate contender for it. Uh, the New Day's farewell address. Uh, obviously, Big, a, Big E left, so uh, or was sent to a different show than... Uh, Kofi and Xavier. Uh, you had Roman Reigns and Hall Heyman unite. Bailey betrays Sasha. Uh, the New Day gets drafted to different brands, uh, which was, you know, happened a couple of days before New Day's farewell address. But obviously, uh, Undertaker's final farewell had to be the clubhouse favorite. But Becky Lynch announces her pregnancy and also, you know, uh, basically letting. Uh, Letting uh, Oscar know that she won the she won the championship, particularly with word on the, word on the, she was Oscar did not know that Becky Lynch was pregnant, so she sort of found out in that moment that one I'm winning the title and you know you're gonna have a baby, so I very well could put that up there as a legitimate contender. As far as individual moment, I might I would probably put that first as individual moment just because of the, the, the different aspects to it. I'm not making an argument against Undertaker's final farewell. I think, you know, considering crowd consensus, you know, WWE Universe consensus after, you know, 30 years, that probably was going to take it no matter what. But if I if I had cast a vote, I probably would have cast a vote for Becky Lynch. Now, if we – now. Now, if we had been sitting in a room and we were discussing everything before I cast that vote, then I probably I might have come around to Undertaker getting the vote. But if it was just me in my room looking at the list real real fast and just voting on everything, I probably would have voted, voted Becky Lynch for that. Uh, 
anyway, I will continue on. Apparently, uh, I did not notice that my uh, co-host checked in like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass him in real fast. How's it going, Brian? Uh, how's it going, King? Uh, like I said, other than the past to Brody Lee, I'd say pretty good. But that, was, that is a very, very sad moment. Um, before, like I said, since I'm almost done with the Slammys list, I'm going to go through that. But then I will come back to you and let you get some um, thoughts in on Brody Lee and on the Slammys in just a second. So let me finish that, and then I'll let you uh, make your comments on those two things. Uh, let's see. The most creative 24-7 pin, Drew Gulak won in Janet Outfit. Obviously, they weren't going to name every contender for that because literally – I think our truth has been champion like 50 times now. So there's no way you could name all the different moments for the contenders musical performance of the year won by Elias. A little bit surprised by that. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't specify which particular one he won it for, but congratulations to him. Uh, social media superstar of the year. Daily was the winner trash talk of the year. Lacey Evans and the hurt business. So two winners for that. Lacey Evans is definitely great on the mic. Her business, obviously, MVP particular is great on the mic. By the way, Lacey Evans has done a great job. When she was on when she was on NXT, she was she was great on the mic. So I I saw the future for her. Then when she first came to the main, quote main roster, she sort of stumbled her first couple of times out. So they sort of put her back a little bit, but she has stepped back up and done a great job since. So congratulations to her for you know. Because a lot of times when you lose your momentum in WWE, a lot of times you never get it back. But she was able to sort of overcome those stumbles and, and come back. So Next, we got WWE Network Documentary of the Year. Obviously, Undertaker last ride was going to win that. Celebrity Appearance of the Year, Rob Gronkowski. Not a huge fan of him winning that, but I would have to think about who who I actually would give it to, but I probably would not give it to him. While I do personally like Rob Gronkowski, he's one of those guys I like seeing him and not hearing him because I almost never hear him say anything that's entertaining or interesting to me. Him being himself is just sort of entertaining and funny, but as far as him on a microphone, no thank you. <laughs> anyway, moving down the list, we got Double Cross of the Year, Bailey versus Bailey betrays Sasha Banks. Makes perfect sense. Referee of the year, that's a weird category. <laughs> Charles Robinson. Although it was hilarious that uh that the other ref came out was mad that he get in the war and they came out in the wig. So then you had a guy playing little Nate. so basically he was doing a parody of a parody. So that was entertaining. That was really the only reason to have the referee of the year category anyway. By the way, I do also have a comment about what was weird about the Slammys. Uh, since the Slammys were done virtually, it is ridiculous that any superstar did not get their award virtually. All you had to do was shoot a 30 to 90 second video picking up your award. So Edge being away for, quote, training for his comeback was fucking stupid. <laughs> Every superstar should have got their award if they were going to do it virtually and not have a live ceremony. Nobody, including it, should have been like, yeah, I'm not, I'm blowing this off. So that was dumb. <laughs> anyway, we've talked about a couple of things on the show so far. So first, I'll, I'll go to uh, Brian. Did you get any thoughts on Brody Lee you wanted to share? Uh, I would just say that um, with this year, it's been um, a, a tragedy and um, with, with him, he he just um one of um hundreds of um um people unfortunately, and hopefully we could um get um just a perspective on um people's careers and learn how to appreciate people while they're here. Absolutely, like I said, like I said, I, like I, said I, I mentioned earlier in the show before you uh called in that you know. We know these guys, at least most of these, they're wrestling characters. Now, with social media, we are able to pick up on their, quote, real lives a little bit more, at least the parts that they choose to share. But, you know, unfortunately, since we do end up doing a lot of these uh, shows where superstars have passed, luckily, not as many are passing prematurely lately. 
even though, like I said, unfortunately, we still did have Brody Lee, but we used to get a lot of those drug deaths and, and things related to that. So luckily, since WWE's changed their wellness policy and see other companies have stepped up a little bit in that regard, we don't get as much as that. Still, I do want to, when we do have to cover these sad stories, I do want to try to at least incorporate a little bit more of their, quote, real lives. Like I said, Brody was a lacrosse player and a hockey player as well as a wrestler in his younger days. He did have a wife. He had a couple kids. Uh, and like I said, they did. Jim Ross did show uh, himself with, quote, Brody Jr. Obviously, that's not his son's real name, but... Uh, sometimes you don't want to share, you know, celebrities, kids, real names and stuff. So anyways, definitely, like I said, definitely let's appreciate people while they're here. And also let's try to share a little bit more about their, them as a person, not just as a quote, superstar or a wrestler. Uh, now also, like I said, since I did go down the list of, uh, Slammy Awards. Did you get any comments you want to make about the Slammy Awards? Any snubs that you thought? Any, uh, Force you would have gave differently or an e-comment in general. Go ahead, the floor is yours. Uh, you go ahead and move forward. Okay. Well, that makes it nice and easy. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some other stories in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, I guess I'll guess I'll uh, move to this story. Uh, interesting thoughts from um, from Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks. During the election, we weren't against NXT. We were against the news. So, uh, you know, the, 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 during the Wednesday Night Wars, both NXT and AEW slumped for a little bit. And obviously, it, it, like I said, you wouldn't think naturally that a lot of the fans were watching, quote, regular news and stuff. But apparently, if you look at what happened after the election ended and the AEW ratings, you know, now post-election and stuff, they have been consistently in that high 800 to 900 to, to almost a million ratings over the last two months. So it looks like the the, the uh, election and the news regarding that was a little bit, putting a little bit of a dent into the ratings. Like, obviously, it wasn't, you know, eating it all up, but still, you know, a good 10 to 20% drop and then it's picked back up since its end. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Brian? Uh, I, um, it's like it was kind of a surprise, but then again, um, how this year has been almost nothing really surprised me about um, ratings and um, the the um, drop or, um, and stuff like that. Because before, as you know, you had fans in um, in, um, in in the arenas. Now that you don't have fans. It took, at least for me, it's going to take fans um, a while to get used to that. So I guess now people get more acclimated to having no, um, like no fans and we're just watching at home or just having very few fans um, like at um, AEW. Yep, but AEW, not that they actually have fans, even though it's not a full house, it is an improvement. But even when they started including the wrestlers, as fans, that worked to a degree. Like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect fix, but it still made a huge difference. Uh, you know that you had somebody there cheering. It's still weird, sort of watching like New Japan with no with still with no fans and no quite you no know, Thunderdome screens, etc. Ring of Honor the same way, basically no fans. Sometimes I think it's kind of cool because I like to just hearing the sound of the wrestlers, you know, trash talk each other during the match, and also the sounds of them, you know, hitting the mat and the sound and impact of the moves, etc. But there's other times when you sort of mix it. I, I think it matters more. I'd say probably for quote mid card matches, or you know, matches for you know people who are just sort of starting off because I think. If you have superstars in the ring and they're really good at quote working as far as trash talking and whatnot during a match, I don't think you miss it as much. But guys, you know, who, or women who don't have as much experience, I think it matters a lot more for them because they're just kind of focused on the move set and they're, and they're not nearly as focused on sort of creating that sort of vibe and you know the other parts of the ringmanship that that exists. So. Anyway, 
Let's move on. I got another uh, Young Buck story. This is a, this one involves actually Matt Jackson, and he talks about the he talked about the difficulty of balancing great storytelling with minute by minute wrestlings. He is an AEW EVP, you know, executive vice president. So he's talking about how him and as well as uh, Tony Khan look at look at that sort of difference. Uh, they were on a Chris Van Velliet podcast. I should know this guy's last name, but I don't know it for sure, so I'm just hoping I didn't just butcher it. But Chris Van Villiet is what I'm going with, and I will just stick to that. Uh, this is what Matt said regarding Dynamite. And here, it's a different animal. It's not just wrestling. You can't just go in and depend on your in-ring performance and your great matches. You have to stay interesting every week. And not only that, you have to manage an entire roster of men and women and try to keep them interesting as well. That's hard. That's a tough test, yet you only have two hours of TV a week plus Dark, which actually really helps out Dark, but two hours of television every week responsible for, and you have this many people. Also, uh, I want to, uh, I'm going to skip uh, down a little bit. Uh, some other things you said. There's also the other fact that you don't even think about, you know, that's grading minute by minute ratings. That's something that Tony Khan plays close attention to, and that's sometimes difficult. Uh, because the artist in me is like, hey, don't worry about the minute by minute, you know? We have to think of a long game. Uh, he, and by me, he means Tony Khan's more of a number cruncher guy. He'll go off with those stats, so it's like it's constantly trying to come up with probably interesting television, and that will also get a rating. Now, uh, there was another comment in here that I sort of missed, that I meant to include earlier, so I'm going to try to scroll and find it. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is, this is probably the most important part that I thought that he stated. I think my biggest challenge is what I learned throughout this process how difficult episodic weekly television is. Because where we come from on the independent scene, even in Japan, sometimes you would just come in and have one bit match every couple months or whatever, and then you move on to the next town. And that does make a huge difference. I had never really thought about that. But yeah, uh, obviously, if you're doing Ring of Honor, you have a little bit more. It was little. It was a little bit more of a you know weekly sort of product, but if you're quote, working on an independent scene for like all these different companies, like back in the territory days, you might be in town for like one weekend, a couple shows for that organization, and then you would go to a different town, particularly the way it is set up now, because it's, like, it's not like the territory days where you would work an area for like three to four months or, you know, six months, and then you move to the next area. Literally, you're sort of doing it nationally, so you might be in Chicago for one company or a couple companies for a weekend, then you might be in New York for a different company. You might be computing with completely different people. And since it's not on national TV, you know, a lot of people who aren't following the Indies that close to an independent scene might not know what this angle is or will know what that angle is. But the people who follow that local indie and that local territory sort of know what the story is. So you might be telling completely different stories in completely different towns as opposed to when you're with a national TV deal and a national company and you telling one compelling story week to week to week. So that's not something I really considered beforehand, but that makes complete sense. So, uh, Brian, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, not really. You um, you pretty much um, said um, close to what I was thinking. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll move on and, and make it easy. Uh, they do have a big additional Raw coming up. They're going to be doing another Legends Night show. Uh, that'll be actually the first episode of Raw, which will be not today if you're listening live. That will be next Monday, uh, January 4th, if you're listening to the podcast version of the show. By the way, we're available on Stitcher, uh, iTunes, as well as most places where you can get your podcast. So please subscribe, hit that like button, leave us a five-star review, leave a comment too, because we appreciate it, because we really appreciate your support. That really helps us out. If you leave a comment, you leave a rating, that helps expose us to more people. So definitely do that. And also buy your Wrestling With Problems t-shirt, because that puts money on pocket. Because I know you think we're, we're making the big money doing these uh, wrestling podcasts, but turns out that's not 100% true. So if you buy a t-shirt, though, you can put a little money in our pocket. And by the way, I just had to, like, do redo my sewer system and my pipes in addition to, you know, being in the hospital twice this year. So money's a little bit tight, tighter than I'm used to having it around here. So definitely help me out if you can with hitting that like, hitting that subscribe, and buying a shirt if you can afford it. Anyway, now that I'm, you know, played the world saddest song in the world's smallest land and had you listen to it, 
we'll get into the sort of big names confirmed for WWE Raw Legends Night, January 4th. And by the way, I want to thank Andrew Ravens from SC Scoops for this information. Uh, I, I'm thinking what happened, maybe they panicked a little bit after the show did the worst ratings ever for Raw. They only had 1.5 million viewers with a .41 in the, that was 18 to 49. The show was doing 2.1 the year before. Uh, so I think they decided after that record low ratings, before they saw the ratings for the uh, the TLC show, that we had to do something that's really going to really pop in, the, in ratings. So last time they did a the quote legend show was uh, was July 2019. Uh, the last time they did a you know sort of reunion show was Raw 25 back in in January 2018. So they tend to do these shows roughly once a year with the legends on them. Uh, the previous reunion show did 4.5 million, so if they get anywhere close to that, they'll be thrilled. Uh, the uh, the the uh, the uh, other, like I said, the other show last year in July did right at just around 3 million, so and that was the best ratings for the year. So either one of those numbers they'd be thrilled with if they can get them. So uh, although I kind of, I don't think it'll have quite the same impact since it'll be probably like I said the. It won't be a, a live crowd that can truly pop the same way even in the Thunderdome. But still, I think anytime you have like Hogan and Flair. Uh, by the way, they also have they also uh, uh, these are the names. By the way, these are the names that are being hyped for the show uh, in the commercial: Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Beth Phoenix, Tori Wilson, Sergeant Slaughter, Kurt Angle, and many, many more. So uh, if you have Hogan and Flair. I think that's going to create a pop no matter what. People also like, you know, Beth Phoenix and Tori Wilson. Although Beth Phoenix is sort of on weekly television pretty much now, NXT every week. So I don't think that'll create as much of an urgency since it's in the rarity. But Tori Wilson, we coming back, Sergeant Slaughter, we don't see it as much anymore. Kurt Angle's been going, you know, for a few months. So I think those will uh, create a little bit more of a pop. Uh, are you excited to see the legends, or you just or you want them to move on and just provide a better show? What they have as far as the current talent. For me, I need for them to um, kind of move away from the legend show because it's not special when you do it yearly. Like if you do it like maybe like um, once every other year, um, you could bring a little nostalgia back, but. Um, a, a lot, a lot of times, it, okay, you you won't have a legend on it anyway. Like, um, I think this year, um, you uh, you seen Rick Flair um on the show already. You saw um a couple other legends like um, Mark Henry or the Big Show or Shawn Michaels, along with Edge. You saw them um like I'm on on the show and everything, and it's like okay. And this wasn't even um, six months ago. So, wait, um, like, um, where, where do you get the um, time gap in between all of that? Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with a yearly show or legend show, but I think if they're gonna do it quote yearly, they need to do it the same time every year. Like, like they did it in January two years ago. They did, did it in July uh, 2019, and now they're doing it in January. Make it. Roughly the same time every year. I'm obviously it doesn't have to be exactly 52 or 53 weeks apart, but do it the same time roughly every year. I would not recommend it for the first show of the year. The first show of the new year should have a certain amount of hype anyway, because it's, it's you know it's, it's one it's a brand new year. Two, you're sort of heading getting close to the road to WrestleMania anyway. Uh, but and then also. Uh, it's that first show after the holidays, so people are just starting to get back into their routine after the holidays. So you don't want to – I don't think that would be the best thing to do. It. I, I'd say maybe do it in uh, – I would maybe push it back to, like, you know, second or third week in January just to get it away from the sort of holiday hangover. And, you know, you've, you're already starting the year fresh anyway, so start the year fresh. Maybe bring them in a week or two after that. But also use them in a way to help get the new talent over. Don't just bring them in and say they're going to be here. You know, do a good job using the talent. Obviously, I, I don't think, you know, Colgan or Flair or guys like that are going to be on the show every week. So I, it, it, it kind of makes sense that you're not going to do, use them the way you might use some other talent. 
but I think they could be a resource if they wanted to use some of these legends like they used Kelly Blanchard, like they used Jake the Snake uh, in AEW. I think some of this talent could be used that way if they wanted, if they want to do it. But use it to get a rub on the new talent, not just having we're having a special appearance by this guy and then you don't see him for another year and then basically you, you just sort of popped in the ratings if you're lucky for like a week. You know, incorporate the talent more on a weekly basis or just make it very, very rare where you don't see him all that often. But don't do the thing where you, you do it. Or like, I don't want to have Steve Austin coming in and stunning everybody and then he stuns a bunch of young guys and then they just look stupid because they got beat up by an old dude. I don't need that. I don't need Ric Flair putting anybody in figure four. Although luckily they haven't done that in quite a while. I don't need Shawn Michaels super kicking a young guy. You know, if, you, if you're going to have them you know, with the talent, give the, the young talent the rub. Don't bury them like they did when they had JBL clothesline from Hill Assistant and just pretty much ruined their career from that point on. But anyway, that's that's off topic. Moving on, uh, let, let, since we did mention the ratings for the uh, the, the uh, all-time low ratings, that was that was the show that led in the TLC. They did have a. Uh, better numbers in the post-TLC episode. It bounced back a little bit. It averaged just below 1.7 million viewers, so 200,000 more viewers than the previous week, roughly. Uh, The first hour drew 1.84 million, second it drew 1.70, and the last hour drew 1.53. It was ranked number four on cable for uh, for the night, when the previous week was number seven on the cable overall. So, uh, a little bit of a bounce back. And like I said, I think that uh, I don't know what they'll do tonight, but hopefully they can continue the momentum a little bit tonight, and then hopefully they'll get a real rub and hopefully some continued momentum when they do do the Legends show next week. So uh, any thoughts on that, Brian? Uh, pretty, um, pretty much I, I, I do I do um, agree with that. Um, one, um, I got to say one of the things I did like that they did this year was that they um, – let MVP take um, some of the current talent who wasn't getting, um, I guess, the proper rub or at least a good rub. And thanks to him, um, I I think me and you had brought it up before, MVP, um, um, okay, had made um, three wrestlers along with himself relevant again and it um, formed a new faction and made it work. Unlike um, some some others that um, they tried to put together um, o- um, over the years and everything, I gotta say the her business actually worked. Although Bobby Lashley didn't get the um, the um, WWE um, title, um, I do believe that um, his run as U.S. champion is actually somewhat relevant. Although, in my opinion, he hasn't been defending the title like he um, needs to be. Yep, and you do raise a good point about the Hurt Business, because for years, I think a lot of people wanted to see a, a sort of, you know, new version of the Nation of Domination come back, and then it looked like they were going to do it this year, and I think all the people that were real fans of the Nation of Domination, and that's largely, you know, people in the community, and when we say community, that means black community, the community is usually a sh- short version of the black community, but in the community, uh, just so people are clear what we're talking about, as soon as they thought they were going to do it this year, we were like, nope, this is not the year to do that. Because <laughs> with all the Black Lives Matter protests and, and the things like that and, you know, the police shootings and the protests of police brutality, we we were not comfortable with it. WWE would do, do right by this group right now in this moment. So as much as a lot of us wanted to see the Nation of Domination come back, now was not the time particularly when WWE would probably not handle it right. And when you also consider, I don't know if WWE has any black writers at all. I'm not aware of them having any. Uh, I'm aware. I know Devon is sort of a backstage producer, I think, but I don't think he's on the writing staff and I don't think there's any black writers on the writing staff. So there was, it was, even if, even if they somehow miraculously, found a way to do it right, it would seem a bit disingenuous not coming from black writers in this day and age. So until they have a little bit of at least some minority representation on that uh, writing staff, 
And, you know, until the moment, quote, cools down a bit, I don't think that would have been the right time to pull it off. So when it looked like they were about to do the Dacia domination thing and they actually had uh, Ron Simmons come out and then, you know, you had MVP sort of, you know, talk to him and stuff. And then they said, no, we're doing our own thing. I think that was a perfect way to handle it because, you know, they didn't say, you know, we don't like what you did. They just sort of said, you know, we're doing our thing and, you know, if they still want to come up with some version of this later on down the road when times might be a little bit different, I, w- I would probably support that if it could be handled right. But now is not the time to do that, and WWE was not the place to do that. So, uh, and, and like I said, hats off to MVP to take in his thing that people thought was going to be something else. Because if you think about it, that's sort of the second time that's happened with the, sort of the some of the black talent in WWE. Because remember what the New Day was supposed to be, and what it ended up becoming. Remember when they were going to be features and they were going to be, you know, a choir and, and everybody thought this is terrible. We don't want this. Nobody wants this. Even the guys in it didn't want it. And then they found a way to split it to their own thing. If you had told me that there was going to be black guys talking about riding unicorns and stuff and, you know, throwing pancakes to people, if you told me that on paper 10 years ago, I would have said, what the hell are you talking about? Get out of here. I don't want this. But they found a way to make that work. <laughs> so you never know who's going to make something work or who's going to find their moment in, in a way that you didn't think was going to be their moment. So hats off to them, by the way, too. And like we did mention earlier, I don't know if this ever happened before that you had two, quote, prominent black tag teams fight for the championship. Uh, I'm not saying this never happened. I just can't think of another time off the top of my head that it's happened. And I'm not talking about like, or you have one black team, the superstar team, and some some jobber team where you just threw some guys together. I mean, legitimately, two superstar black teams where, where you could legitimately say both teams could sort of win a championship, and you actually had a title change on top of it. So. Anyway, let's move on. We got a couple more things we're we're gonna get out of here in just a couple minutes. But uh, let me see if I've got anything else that I want to, to get to. Oh, yeah, I did have something because I remember you actually, uh, he actually, Brian actually stopped by my house a few minutes. And, you know, we socially distanced, you know, you know, the day after Christmas just for a few moments. Uh, you had something that you wanted to ask me about, but I can't remember what it was now. So what was it that you wanted to discuss on the show? Uh, 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 you know what? Um, I actually forgot and... I had it um, on my mind at the beginning um, of the show, but I I cannot remember the exact thing though. But um, I okay now the um, oh, oh yeah now um, oh yeah I, I remember now. Okay, my comment was um, the whole thing with um, Impact and AEW, and um, do you believe that um, the new main event for um, um, Genesis is going is going to be as good as um, the build is. I believe in it because I believe in the talent that's in the match. So I do believe, I, I believe you put those guys in the ring together, you're not going to have anything but something good happen. So I think with this working relationship, uh, obviously AEW and Impact Wrestling quote aren't. Equals. It's not like, you know, both companies had equal popularity. And I don't think uh, AEW would want to, you know, sort of, you know, elevate impact to their level. But they do want impact to look good. They want the business to be healthy. <coughs> Back when uh, WWF was sort of working with ECW, sort of under the table, but they were giving a little bit of money here and there and stuff like that. Part of why WWF did that is because they want the business to be relatively healthy. They realized after they killed off, you know, for the most part, the NWA and most of the territory system, they still needed sort of places to develop talent. They couldn't do it all themselves, even though, even today, even with the performance center with NXT and with some, some of these other things they have, they realized that it still helps to have, quote, evolve and some of these other organizations, you know, progress and some of these other companies to provide talent. So, AEW doesn't want to quote run impact out of the business, and I think AEW more so than some other previous companies like WCW understands that it helps to have other healthy companies besides themselves, besides WWE. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, 
they can use talent from each other's company, and it helps you know both sides out. It's not like just because you know Kenny Omega being on Impact doesn't hurt AEW. Obviously, I don't think you're going to see you know Kenny Omega doing a lot of jobbing on Impact Wrestling shows. You're not going to have Rich Wine going to AEW and jobbing a lot on that company. That's never the way these sort of quote deals work where you have companies work together. But you can have your own talent, but sort of share them. Since you don't necessarily always have, you know, talent working the same nights, particularly like, you know, back in the day when you had WCW and WWE sort of, you know, both doing, you know, stuff 200, 250, 300 nights a, a year, AEW barely has any house shows, you know, uh, so there's plenty of opportunities to let their talent work if they want to work. And I think it, you know, when AEW providing their talent not only a decent salary comparable, if not equal, but comparable to what they can make in WWE, plus they have other opportunities to make money, that also provides other opportunities for some of the younger talent to uh, sort of work and grow their craft so they can elevate themselves to the top level, whether it be with the Impact Wrestling, whether it be with some of the local indies. So, and the other thing is, everybody, quote, doesn't watch AEW. While WWE has, you know, you know, up to two million viewers, two million viewers on some of his top shows in a week. AEW has roughly about a million on his top shows in a good week. So there's a lot of quote wrestling fans, or you know, who aren't either AEW fans, but do consume other companies, whether it be WWE, whether it be Impact, whether it be some of these other companies. It, if they can just pull off, you know, fifty thousand viewers here, twenty thousand viewers there, you know, for some of these other companies, that does well for uh, AW's bottom line, particularly if they're younger fans. Because remember, as much as we talk about the weekly ratings, the dem- the reason part of the reason demographics eighteen to forty nine get reported so much because that's where you make your real money in TV advertising. Obviously, you want as many people as possible watching your products. But the 18 to 49 is what these companies really pay for when they, in advertising. Those are people that they don't quote, don't feel like quote have completely made it their mind and completely brand loyal at that point. Because once people hit their 50s, they feel like okay, they sort of made up their mind what they like, what they enjoy. So that's why you know those customers and you know there's probably some ageism involved in it as well too. But that's the feeling for the for those sort of uh, set of consumers. So overall, I think this is going to work well for AEW as they continue to work with you know Impact. Hopefully, they'll they'll eventually work with New Japan. You know, they can work with Ring of Honor. They've sort of done some stuff with Ring of Honor. They started doing a little bit here and there with MLW. So overall, all these companies working together. Really, the only company that's not really working with anybody else for the most part is WWE. And according to Triple H, they're willing to do it too. It's just they haven't had the right deal yet. So. I look forward to seeing if this continues to work for, you know, some of the other companies as well, and whether WWE actually works with anybody else. Oh, yeah, by the way, I, I think we did talk about it last week. Uh, but, yeah, uh, NXT is supposed to be starting up in India. They didn't announce, quote, NXT India just yet, but they did make an announcement that they're going to be a WWE, quote, India special coming up real, real soon. But from all intents and purposes, that is supposed to be NXT India from what I hear. So, Looking forward to that, even though they haven't announced any of the, much of the talent just yet for that. So, uh, but anyway, uh, any other things you want to talk about before we get out of here, or are you pretty much done for this week? Uh, well, I would go with this though. Um, okay, I, okay, I was checking out MLW, um, and. I want to congratulate um, Fifty Tom Lawler for being the Opera Cup winner. It it was it was um, a great match, and for um, all, all you people who um, want something different outside of um, your, um, your your big three um, WWE um, Impact and um, AEW MLW um, is a good product to watch. Take a up. MW, MLW is my number two ranked show among all the shows. Like I said, I put AEW Dynamite number one. I put MLW uh, Fusion number two. Uh, I, w- I would probably put NXT three as far as weekly entertainment. Uh, now, if I started to include pay-per-views and stuff, I would probably change the rings a little bit. But uh, but But as far as quality entertainment on a weekly basis, I'll probably go with those rankings. AEW Dynamite, MLW number two, and NXT number three. 
uh, if I include like pay per views, like I said, that might change my rankings just a little bit too. By the way, but anyway, I think that about covers it for this week. You've been listening to Wrestling with Problems. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. I came looking for booty. I like you, and I want you. Now, we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.